all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, professor of pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Here we are in the aftermath of yet another school shooting. When will it stop? Well, perhaps never. But there's something, maybe, that we can do as caring people to lessen the frequency of this happening. There is. But why can't we seem to understand what needs to be done? It isn't about taking guns away from responsible and stable people. But it is understanding what can happen when weapons, particularly automatic weapons, are in the hands of troubled individuals. Today, unrelatively speaking, we'll be talking with Dr. John Godet about how we can protect our children and our families. And I'm here with my producer, Jay White. And I am going to bring in early into the program Dr. John Gaudet, who is professor at the at William Carey um, College and a pediatrician who has uh, been a leader in the state on, on many issues. He is a former president of the American Academy, uh, the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. So um, I just have to say, um, I'm, I really am unhappy that, that I have to bring this topic up today. One would hope that talking about the topic that I'm bringing up would not be necessary still. But here we are in the aftermath of yet another school shooting. They won't stop. They've been going on for many, many years. I think many of you remember the school shooting in Pearl um, that happened back, I believe it was 1997. Is that right, Jay? Yes. Okay. So we're still here. Maybe these won't ever completely end, but but is there, listeners, is there something that we can do as caring people to lessen the frequency of this happening? So you bet it is. It there is something we can do. But why can't we seem to understand what needs to be done? And I want to say at the very beginning, so nobody calls in and tells me the right to bear arms is being interfered with. This isn't about taking guns away from responsible and stable people. That is not at all what I'm talking about. Keep in mind, I'm a developmental behavioral pediatrician. I'm someone who cares deeply about children. I have five children, and I have 11 grandchildren that I deeply care about. The Nashville shooting happened yesterday. Um, I have an eight-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter in Nashville. Um, So, um, you know, initially there was concern that she could potentially be near this. She was not. But there were many other children who were and four who lost their lives. So you heard me. I said it's not about taking guns away from responsible, stable people. It's about 
protecting our children and figuring out what we can do to protect our children. Um, maybe, maybe it does mean tighter controls. I think it does. Um, maybe it means not allowing automatic weapons to be out there. That's my opinion. But I'll let you have your opinion. But we have done nothing. We have done nothing. And we are allowing a few people to control doing nothing. Okay. Now, you can tell I'm feeling terribly passionate about this. And we do have calls coming in. But before we go to those, I want to talk to welcome Dr. John Gaudet for jumping in. Hi, Dr. Gaudet. Thanks for being with me. Thank you for having me, Dr. Buttress. Tough topic, right? This is a tough topic, and it's and it's been it's been around for a while, and and uh, it usually gets talked about after a mass shooting, and I think that's that's a problem because it's something that we need to have in the conversation, not just when there's a horrific event of this nature, but we need to have the 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 the, the guts to talk about it at other times too, when it's not just top of mind. Yes. And I I think that what keeps happening is we have this surge of upset and then this valley where everything else seems to be more important. Um, I'm I'm just going to say what Jay and I were saying. Yeah, well, let's ban a few books so we can protect our children. Come on now. Come on, people. Banning books to protect our children? Don't you think we could ban automatic weapons instead okay um so we we have a a full array of callers um i'm gonna go ahead and get started dr gaudet and i want you to help me answer or comment on some of these Uh, brother daniel is our first caller um hi brother daniel thanks for calling in i want to tell you love you mom thanks so much for bringing me Mississippi. You know, I appreciate that. Thank you. But um, it's not really hard. It's, it's, it's really simple. Uh, I, I've, I've lived in New York. Uh, I've uh, been in the Army. I've dealt law enforcement. I still work out also with law enforcement now. Um, I counsel kids. I don't get paid for it. God pay me. And the situation is being that we have so much media going on that our children are looking for attention, looking for attention. And uh, and the gun situation, it became such a political problem. See, a long time ago, a person would have a pistol in their house and maybe have a shotgun or a hunting gun, and that was good enough. But then people, you know, and then you had some people that had collections. But see, now, because... Our children are caught up in the mix of the hatred within the adults. We're having a lot more problems. We've always had little crime here and there. We've always had right. somebody use a gun for a, a situation, right. but not at this altitude. And it's not so much people that have problems, because if you remember the incident that happened down at Pasadena at the Eagle Shipyard, where that man been there for years and got into an argument with somebody at the job, a, a, a good person, character, and he just shot him because the man also had an attitude and was being racist to him. So it's, it's not so much everybody keeps saying, and this is the problem, we keep saying it's already the crazy ones. All it takes is a teacher fed up with their job, with some mm. kids in the class, mm. which we saw that in Mobile, and get fed up and start either punching on a child, or the or the or the or the teacher end up pulling up pulling out a weapon. We gotta understand, my Republican brothers, because I'm part Republican. Okay, my family's been part Republican since the days of U.S. and its grants. Okay, so we ain't gonna go so much on that because both sides have done their problems. But as far as this gun situation, look, we gotta put these parties aside. I love Mississippi. I love the way we're going more about culture, helping one another. Because we're going to need each other when these, these situations happen like this and tornadoes happen and hurricanes happen. 
But when it comes to this gun situation, it, it's not good to go. You're going to talk about putting guns on a teacher carrying a gun into a room. That's like being at prison and you got correctionals. They don't even carry guns in certain situations in a room with inmates. Yeah, yeah. Brother Daniel, you have, uh, uh, you said a couple of things I want to emphasize. Um, one is that we need to quit making this a political issue. We do. We also need to 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 say that their problems exist with not always seriously mentally ill individuals, but but some who have anger management issues and have never been taught how to how to help with that. Um, so I appreciate your comments. I really do. Um, I do think that we are going to have to move forward and come up with some ideas. I will say, though, um, Brother Daniel, I, I love your calls. Uh, I would like just to say, though, that with the school shootings, these mass school shootings, I believe Every single individual had a history of some some significant mental behavioral issues that had not been well addressed. Dr. Gaudet, you might want to step in here and correct me if I'm wrong. So, uh, yes, Mr. Daniel said a lot of things, and 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 your and your response about uh, making it not so much about politics. I think. You know, humankind has made great advances. You know, for instance, uh, by uh, through public health measures. Uh, it, you know, uh, if you look at what we've done with uh, polio, for instance, or uh, uh, you know, just healthcare development. If you look at uh, the, um, the this violence in terms of public health, where and with public health, that's basically you. The patient is not. A person, but the patient is a society, is a group of people, and this is where doctors have begun to uh, get involved in looking at uh, the violence that we're seeing and the mental associated, especially with mental illness, in uh, through a public health lens. Right. And you know, if you look at you know uh, um, eradication of disease, you know, uh, it's been a long time since there's been you know, for instance, a case of smallpox. Well, we have the the ability, the 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 the, uh, the smarts, I guess, if you will, to to eradicate um, some some causes of death and, and suffering if we put our minds to it. But but we've got to have the will to do that. We have to have the will, and that's where we have where, to be able to talk about it. Right. We we have to quit having this great cleave and divide um, between the, the, the issue and decide that we can come to the center and do something. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. John Godet, and we are talking about the gun violence that has been going on, specifically the most recent school shooting that everybody's talking about, but as Dr. Gaudet said earlier, perhaps we need to quit having a frenzy of, of upset and then let it go away. Perhaps we need to come up with a solution and do something now. Okay, we're going to go back to the phones, and I believe, who do we get, go to next? Um, Elliot in Collins. Hi, Elliot. Thanks for hanging in there. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? We hear you great. Great. Well, you know, I grew up in a house full of guns, you know, and I was always told it's not the gun that pulls the trigger, it's the person and this and that, and I thought that for a long time. And certainly we all have responsibility. And um, However, however, um, we don't have, you know, the, the Second Amendment is not absolute, right? I support gun owners' rights, you know, particularly hunters. Or typically, uh, people who like to target practice and things like, but our Second Amendment is not absolute. We're we're not allowed to have rocket propelled grenades or mortars or anything like that. I mean, it's mm, just absolutely insane. We live in an insane society that's unwilling to compromise. And uh, but anyway, you know, they, a lot of people talk about pro life. Well, look, this is a big pro life issue, and if you're really serious about it you'll come to the table. 
here's something uh, of a compromise effort. To me, I was just thinking about this with assault weapons. If we can't come to a, an absolute ban on it, I say that you shouldn't be allowed to own one individually. If you want to own one as part of a gun club, right, the club would own it. And uh, anyway, the, the members of the club would be responsible for securing it. And if someone happened to steal it and y'all, they didn't secure it properly, that they would also be prosecuted if something happened. So, again, maybe there should be collective ownership of high-powered weapons. Mm-hmm. But we've we got to do something different. And you know what? It's going to require compromise. And, um, look, this is coming from a guy who grew up with this stuff. And I, I think um, it's just insane how things have been. And, again, you know what? That's been due to the gun lobby. Not responsible owners, but the gun lobby has pushed this and pushed this, pushed it on us and everything, too. And it's the time that we told them no. Not anymore. So thank you. Thank you, Elliot, for that. Um, Dr. Gaudet, um, the gun lobby is strong. The National Rifle Association, I mean, likely there's some really great people in it, but it's strong. And I will say that I have been stunned that we have not been able to get any protective legislation out there. I know you've been involved in that arena a bit. Any thoughts about that? So there are different states will have different degrees of of legislation and or regulation regarding firearms and and I think it it does come down to sort of the culture of the state and 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 the popularity of uh, shooting sports uh, but everyone that I uh, uh, talk to uh, wants uh, to to protect children. Uh, I, I don't think there's a, a, an anti-protect children group. It just it comes down to um, uh, how to implement that and, and what the best way to do it is. And, you know, of course, there can be homicides and there can be suicides and then there can be accidental discharges. And, um, you know, they all, I think, should be dealt with a little bit differently. Um, uh, and, you know, there's groups that, for instance, if you're a, a, a gun owner or a, a hunter or enthusiast and you want to learn more about how to protect your child, and, and, and the most recent school shooting was, was uh, someone who I believe had a history of mental illness, but, um, but let's not forget, especially for teens, the prospect for suicides. And so in order to protect your teen um, from suicides, or you know, obviously a, a gun is a more uh, final. More, they're more likely to um, die by suicide uh, as opposed to another less lethal method. And there's a website you could uh, like ProjectChildSafe.org. Mm-hmm. Is is you know you can go on there. They will. Um, how to secure um, guns and in a household, right, right to protect right. your children. And yeah. that's something that apparently, um, you know, these children are the ones who are, um, in, in many cases, having access to guns um, and, and without good control and without good monitoring. So responsible gun owners are out there. Listen, um, there is a way to safety up your home, and you should, because there is a higher incidence, and this makes sense, higher incidence of homicide, murders, and suicides in homes with guns. Is that because guns are doing it? No, of course not. It's because guns are unsecured. So... Let's go. Larry has been waiting for a while. Larry in Hazelhurst. I want to get to him. Um, hi, Larry. Thanks for waiting. Yes, of course. Uh, I'm a retired Methodist pastor, and I'm sitting there at college, our Methodist college in Shreveport. I studied philosophy as well as the Bible. And the philosophy professor gave a sentence that's been astoundingly important in my thinking. He said simply, take any idea, no matter how good it is, and carry it to its extreme logical conclusion, it becomes absurd, such as turn the other cheek. Well, we'd all have to be passengers. So that's absurd to say that you could carry that to that extreme. And it, 
I have a closet full of guns for hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somewhere there's got to be a medium ground. The NRA at one time opposed the AR-15 type of soft weapons. But of course the manufacturers uh, got that changed. Uh, so it seems to me the politician that said we're going to take all your guns is one of those examples of being absurd. Right. So uh, I think I've made my point. Yeah. Somewhere, you are right, we've got to protect our children, even if it infringes on what somebody else considers uh, an absurd right. Right. A a right without any kind of limits whatsoever. Just like, you know, we were we were talking um, on in legal terms this morning about the freedom of speech. You know, there's there's a limit everywhere. So, well, thank you for that, Um, Larry. I appreciate it. Um, And I I would love to hear some feedback from other listeners about what you think about what Larry said. And where might that be? Where could we go? My question to everyone is, who needs an AR-15? Who needs an automatic weapon? What do you need it for? What do you use it for other than to shoot bullet holes in a wall, a wall if you want to see a lot of holes somewhere. I mean, you don't use those for hunting, I'm certain. For target practice, I don't think so. I've been to target practice before. I don't understand. So I think we need to get over the absurdity and quit allowing people to control our lives who are only benefiting from the continuation of this absurdity, as Larry so aptly put it. So, Dr. Gaudet, we have a couple of calls coming in, but um, before we get back to them, I want to hear possibly your comments on this. Well, um so uh, the last caller is talking about the argument about taking it to extreme. I think, uh, um, uh, in other words, uh, uh, I don't think either side is interested in going, you know, all the way uh, towards, um, uh, in other words, I think there does need to be some middle ground. But And it starts with having the conversation, you know, and I think, um, uh, for instance, I was at a meeting last summer with a health care providers, uh, a lot of doctors, ER doctors, trauma physicians, trauma surgeons, um, uh, everyone, pediatricians, family practitioners, and, uh, you know, we talked about this. Um, uh, And let's say um, there's a a type of uh, legislation called extreme risk protection orders, um, otherwise known as red flag. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, like, if somebody has, you know, uh, perfectly, um, um, you know, healthy um, use for you know their hunting or, or shooting tar- practice, that sort of thing. Uh, but if they, uh, you know, they have the right to own their gun, but if let's say this person becomes a danger to themselves or a danger to someone else, um, these this legislation is a is a vehicle for they will at least temporarily. Uh, lose their right to own a gun, and it can mm-hmm. be taken from them uh, while they're going through that. But you know, parents and family can do that even without legislation. You know, so if you know of a family member who's in crisis, uh, then then uh, you can, and parents especially, you can you can remove the the guns from the home until the crisis subsides. Uh, but if, let's say, uh, it's a, another adult or someone that you can't do that on, these ERPO laws, extreme risk protection orders, uh, are, are a vehicle, I think, um, to, to, to provide some protection while the person works out that crisis. Right, right. Okay, red flags. Protection. Yeah, that's kind of where we need to go. Okay, let's go uh, back to the phones. We have Cindy in Cordova, Tennessee. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for... Uh Uh-oh, did we lose you? Looks like maybe we did. Cindy, call back. I know you were trying to pick up and we you got dropped somehow. Okay, um, let's next go to um, Gail in Crystal Springs. Hi, Gail. Well, several points. One that, that he just made 
I have a friend who's constantly in crisis with their child and has even taken away the guns and gotten the guns out of the house, and the child is still not dealing with anger issues. At some point, maybe we do need to make parents responsible for children that are, quote, in crisis, unquote. And my other point is this girl that is 28 years old, I mean, she's not a child. She has murdered these people, and she's just not a child with a, with weapons that should be for war only. I agree. I agree. And no, but apparently this individual was troubled for a very long time. And um, right. And someone who had attended the school previously with apparently something that was brooding and bubbling inside for a very long time. Again, need to expand mental health. I think we're working on that as fervently as we can. But while that is going on, make sure that we address mental health problems like we do physical health. It's a crisis, so we need to address it like we do diabetes and obesity, hypertension and cardiac disease. We just have to. Um, Okay, Gail, I I appreciate you calling. Um, It's it is concerning. All right. Um, staying on the phones, Lynn in Jackson has a comment about an AR-15. Hey, Lynn. Hey. I'm, I was a little bit disappointed when we're opining on policy and not really understanding the issue. The AR-15 is not an automatic weapon. It's a semi-automatic weapon, right? It looks like a, an automatic weapon. And that's like saying a cubic zirconium is a diamond because it looks like one. Okay, how many rounds can you fire? Lynn, talk to us about that. And how rapidly can you fire rounds with an AR-15? Well, it's just like any other semi-automatic weapon. You only fire one round each time you pull the trigger. And how many how many shots are in a round, Lynn? Well, it depends on the size of the magazine you have. Okay, so how's, how big is the biggest magazine you can put in an AR-15, Lynn? I have seen them advertised, if you're willing to pay the money, up to 100 rounds. Okay, so there you go. So if you pull the trigger once and you can fire up to 100 rounds, I apologize for, for my lack of terminology because I am clearly not a gun expert, but... But I I do, I hear what you're saying, and I've heard this argument before. But if you pull the trigger once and you can fire 10 shots, that still is a huge issue. I think Jay has a comment. The reason reason that the, the, the Second Amendment exists is not for hunting. It says... The preservation of the free state, and they use the small s for the individual states. And this, and you can't say that a militia has arms. You can't say the militia is the National Guard, because in Article One of the Constitution, it specifically says no state may have a militia, a, a National Guard, unless it's specifically authorized by the Congress. The militia is the free body of people who are there to defend the rights of the people against tyranny. And that's what the Second Amendment is about. Now, the fact that some people abuse it does not negate what the Second Amendment is about. Hmm. Jay, you had a comment, I believe. No? Okay. All right, Lynn, I, I hear you. And, and I don't think this show at all is about taking away the right to bear arms. That's not it. It's having, yeah, having, any, having arms in the hands of people who do not need to have those. I agree. That's the real issue. How do you do that without infringing on the rights of perfectly law-abiding and reasonable people? And I applaud you for trying to come up with a solution to that question, because I've never been able to come up with an answer to it. Well, I, I think there's some ways to at least mitigate some of this. And, and Dr. Gaudet, you may have a comment here, because you and I have talked about this. Well, Yes, and and uh, but with th- this call and the previous, um, there are um, 
and and again, I think uh, when you're looking at suicides and accidental discharges, it's a little bit different um, with the homicides uh, because uh, you know they're all going to have different approaches. But uh, for instance, there's a type of uh, legislation that is we actually have in Mississippi even called a child access prevention law. Um, where uh, and there's degrees of uh, you know of penalties associated with it, the cap laws they're called, uh, and the parent would be charged with something either a recklessness or negligence uh, if if it's if the child uses the weapon or if the child accesses um, the firearm or even if the child could access the firearm. So those are different levels of negligence. Uh, but we have uh, a cap law in Mississippi uh, where parents can be charged with reckless behavior if their child um, accesses and uses a firearm. So, and But, you know, those can be tightened up or loosened depending. And But, again, this is it takes a conversation and, and having shows like this and having people like your callers, uh, you know, uh, hammering it out in order to find out what's the best solution where we can preserve our Constitution but protect the population better. Right. We are talking about protecting children from another school shooting and and how how can we protect them? I'd love to hear from from more of our listeners. Lynn, I appreciate you calling. We had a caller who couldn't stay in the line who sent in a message and and asked, is it more important to preserve rights or to preserve life? And I think, again, back to the semi-automatic weapons, to Lynn's point, um, those can do a whole lot more damage more quickly. That's just one of my questions out there. Okay, I'm going to go to Siobhan in San Francisco, California. Hi, Siobhan. Thanks for calling. You were uh, had called in earlier and had to drop off, so please join in now. Uh, yes, uh, it's a California number, but I'm actually in equipment in Mississippi. Okay, equipment. Well, good yeah, for exactly. you. Thank you for calling. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, uh, this really isn't a gun issue at all. This is a societal issue, and I think that we're putting too much uh, power in the hands of our politicians uh, about something we can, we have the, the citizens have the power to do ourselves. You know, I think the Republicans and the Democrats are playing good cop, bad cop with, with the lives of our children and our people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I th- and, and nobody's really looking for a solution. They're just looking to stay in a position. I think that if, if, if our religious leadership would start emphasizing uh, uh, morality more, family life, the importance of family life more. I, I remember when I was raised up in Quitman, Mississippi, and my daddy uh, sat at the head of the table, and my mom did the cooking, and it was 12 of us, seven boys and mm. five girls. Wow. And we had guns in the house, and and uh, we all grew up to be pretty good people, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And and and, and I, I think that, that um, uh, another phase of this gun issue, and, and I'll try to be brief, is in the African-American community, where we get uh, not only school shootings, but in the African-American community, we get um, enough murders and bloodshed to populate a mid-sized city on an annual basis, and nobody's saying anything about that. Right. And it's not because people do this, you know, if you remember back. You know, um, you know, our people didn't used to act like that. That no. was not the, you know, we've always there crime in every community, but it's not at that epidemic uh, level. You know, I think that the gangster rap, the hip-hop, and a lot of these influences that have come into the community uh, causes that. Yeah. So my last point, and I'll be done, is this, is that it's the influences you know, you keep saying mental health problems and the school shootings and so forth, but then again, you keep talking about guns. It ain't guns. It's the fact that the society is being, uh, by design, I believe, broken down, and people are being mm. left, you know, to their own uh, uh, desires and, and influences 
and it's affecting us in horrible ways where we carry out our our hatred and 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 our disappointments and frustrations on 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 other people you know yeah. people use knives people use truck you if you remember in the news uh, uh, about last year you know people were running over people on bridges um, and trucks bridges and trucks yeah yeah, yeah. Then, you know this guy just recently here a few months ago uh he killed about uh 20 or 30 children with a knife yeah. in a school you know, so it ain't about the weapons it's about the mentality of the people, and I think that we have to begin to uh, start w- with our morals, our families, and build strong community life again, and uh, stop allowing these negative influences to come into the community and and kill us off uh, psychologically. Yeah, I'm Siobhan, you made you made some really great points. You really did, and and I agree you agree with you on on many levels about the the fact that we have had an erosion of family and erosion of values, and we need to address that too. Also, and I, I agree with you, there are other weapons that can be used. It, it's not, doesn't have to always be guns, but, but, again, I don't want us to lose the fact. I don't want us to be diverted from the fact that we need to do something, too, about the fact that we have so many weapons in so many hands of individuals who truly need help and really don't need to have a semi-automatic weapon in their hands or or even a weapon at all. So uh, I 100% agree with you um, on most levels, but I don't want us, and this is what happens when we start talking about school shootings, then we divert things away, and, and I agree with you too, there are way too many individual shootings out there um, in our state. Mississippi has had a ridiculous rise in that. So, it's there's an erosion, we need better values, we need more dads in the home, for sure. Um, but we also need to address the topic at hand. Okay. Um, we're going to stay in the phones because I really do want to get to all the callers. Um, Jerry in Bay Springs has been waiting for a while. Hi, Jerry. Hello. Thank you for the program. Oh, uh, thank you. When, when you say that uh, this is a very complicated issue, that's got to be the understatement of the century. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> We already have gun control, and I agree with the previous caller that there's influence, but the influence comes from several different areas. We already have gun control in that uh, you can't get a a fully automatic machine gun unless you have a special expensive permit. You can't buy rocket-propelled grenade launchers. You can't buy hand grenades. These are all weapons of war, and none of the gun control, I mean, none of the um, second right, Second Amendment rights uh, people have pushed to have those legalized. The AR-15 style rifle is a weapon of war. My proof for that is that our soldiers are not issued a lever action 30 caliber like I have on my wall. They're not issued shotguns. Every one of them, every infantryman is assigned an AR-15 type weapon. And on the other side, they use similar weapons, if it's the AK-47. The influences that the previous caller was talking about are certainly there, but there's also the influence of money in Washington Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in the NRA. And one of the solutions that's been proposed is for those of us who would like more gun control to join the NRA and turn it around. That might be a good idea. I'm not sure. Hmm. But uh, we're not going to get out of this problem uh, completely by legislating it, and we're certainly not going to get out of it unless we stop the flow of money to the people that pass our laws to keep these laws from being passed. That's about it. I agree with you. 
Man, you said some good stuff. And thank you. Um, you sound like you're much more an authority on guns than I am for for um, commenting on the... On the oh, not, not at all. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not a gun nut, but I do have a, you you know, a few yeah. weapons around, and I'm responsible with them. And I was taught, like the previous scholar said, that you don't want a gun at anything unless right. you intend to shoot to kill. Yeah. And, and I'm very careful with guns. I do not like people. I've had visitors here who were drinking and shooting their, uh, their revolvers. I don't like that at all. Alcohol and guns do not mix. No. Absolutely not. Jerry, thanks for your call. You made some great points, and we appreciate it. Okay, I'm going to stay on the phone. Um, We have John in Starkville who has been waiting. Hi, John. Hello. Uh, Thank you for discussing this issue um, and the intertwined issues uh, that are caught up in it. Uh, I also want to say for clarity that... uh, to agree with the prior caller that you cannot um, purchase an automatic weapon uh, in the United States without a special permit, and the militarized-style weapons such as AR-15s are a... They only shoot each time you pull the trigger. So if you have 100 rounds uh, and you want to shoot those 100 rounds, you need to pull uh, the trigger uh, 100 times. So usually for an AR-15, I believe the standard magazine is about uh, 30 rounds, so that would take 30 pulls of the trigger uh, to empty that magazine. But um, I'm very concerned about the polarization in this country, and uh, we really need to look back at the uh, uh, the end of the fairness doctrine uh, applied to media. That that has created this polarized atmosphere. And if um, a host uh, on a, uh, a national TV show can make false claims and not uh, have the fairness doctrine applied to allow uh, someone to refute their false claims, Um, that is um, the situation that we now live in where uh, people have been fed uh, so much false information. Clearly, uh, it's my opinion uh, as someone who followed uh, the mechanics of elections um, and how elections are conducted since 2004, mm-hmm. that lots mm-hmm. of false claims were made in 2020 that uh, divided the country leading up to January 6th. So we need to reinstate the fairness doctrine um, and uh, uh, we all, and we need to... Uh, stamp out doctrines uh, that promote uh, these mass killings, such as uh, white supremacy, and uh, there needs to be the fairness doctrine applied within these hate groups that they have to have uh, someone uh, to refute their internal communication to their members, which, and these hate groups are responsible for many uh, of these mass shootings and uh, creating a, a poisoned, polarized atmosphere in this country. Right. Any comments? Dr. Gaudet, what are your thoughts about the fairness doctrine? I know there have been a lot of comments about that in the past, about the fact that perhaps we're not, um, news is not news anymore. Well, um, I, I, I like this show where we can get everybody on, to the table to have an open discussion. Uh, uh, you know, I think that's what conversations need to take place, and rather than everybody just uh, listening to the same talking points from you know uh, just people who agree with them. 
I mean, it is a little bit uh, uh, uncomfortable to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't agree with you. But but I think people generally uh, are want to do the right thing and and uh, you know uh, and try to keep things civil and. And uh, this, these are the kind of kind of conversations we need to have. Uh, I do. I, I worry that television is is just one-sided in in so many ways. Uh, but but uh, kudos to you, Dr. Buttress, for opening up the phone lines and taking everyone's call. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's the way to do it. Um, and you know, and and back to the previous caller about. Uh, um, uh, influences and so forth. Yes, of course, uh, we need to have you know value and maintain our values. But I think from lawmakers, they don't need to be looking at values. I think that's at the family. But I'm interested in, in encouraging our policymakers to come up with policies that uh, will be um, that will help you know preserve our fundamental rights, but also afford some degree of protection. Uh, like, for instance, you know, if you buy a, um, a firearm from an unlicensed dealer, um, you don't have to pass a criminal background check. And so I think there, it would, that, that's reasonable. I, I, I think there's a very small contingent of people who would say, oh, you know, we, I'm in favor of, you know, criminals owning firearms. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, but the, but the argument is if you want to keep the, the firearms out of the hands of somebody who is a, uh, you know, is a, a criminal or a felon or has been dangerous in the past, I think having that's an example of something that could be a policy that our, our elected officials could look at, um, having criminal background checks for from unlicensed dealers. Right. Um, so, right. you know, I think we have to approach it on all levels, having all levels, yeah. but also the family, the kitchen table, and also in the legislature. Right, right. Okay, we have one final caller. We have Steve, who's been patient, in Vicksburg. Hi, Steve. Hey, uh, y'all can hear me? Yes, we hear you well. All right, I've just, one thing that has always kind of blown my mind, I have a 15-year-old who has to get a learner's permit to drive a car, has to use that learner's permit until he's good at using the car. Then he gets a driver's license. If he wants to drive an 18-wheeler, he has to get a commercial driver's license. Why can't we do that with guns? Wow. Age groups can own a single-shot gun, you know. Certain age groups can own a uh, auto, semi-automatic weapon, I mean, I, I'm I'm just confused on why people why we can't limit it to that state. Sounds like a a good point, um, and to require that that there is some sort of training and safety attached to it, Doctor Gaudet. Texas looked at, uh, or the State Medical Association in Texas looked at you know, uh, advising an age limit to gun purchases. Uh, now, they did not, um, you know, uh, the physicians did not adopt that, but there's an argument, you know, like how, you know, um, you're, you, what age do you need to attain in order to, to, to be able to own and possess a firearm, really, of any kind? But, but to your point, Dr. Buttress, I think um, uh, whatever that age is, uh, uh, training is important now you know that training also costs money and it needs to be paid for and that's something again policymakers can help us with uh we do you know we you have to learn how to drive a car um i, I think that and at the time of purchase I, I think it's reasonable to have uh education on safety and handling uh for firearms at the time of purchase especially for young people because a lot of the stuff you know, most people will say i was taught as a young child but most really young children you can teach them but the way their brains work they have a hard time you know um you know preventing themselves from carrying out their impulsive you know thoughts they do things on impulse that's the definition of being a child their brains right. aren't developed enough so you know you can talk all you want and but but safety is important that in, in means storing them in a locked place and unloaded um, so that okay they can learn but they'll there's also another safety net there uh, to help prevent uh, accidental injuries or suicides 
um, or if somebody is in distress, let's say a mental illness, um, that they won't have access to it. So, yeah, I'd say education is one more piece of that. But then I think doing other, taking other steps to prevent um, injuries is necessary as well. So thank you, Steve, for your call. And I just I want to thank you, Dr. Gaudet, um, for, for being on at short notice um, to help us navigate through this. I, I want you to, if you'll throw that uh, website out, where you can find out how to safety things up. If you have a gun in your household, would you do that for us real quickly? I will. It's projectchildsafe.org, and you, they, they, you, could, uh, you could search different devices and so forth for safety. Uh, and if you want to look into uh, um, um, the statistics and the numbers, uh, everytown.org is another website that breaks it down state by state in terms of uh, who has you know different degrees of legislation you know weaker right. or stronger. Well, great, I appreciate that. I always, as always, I appreciate all your work, listeners. Thank you so much, and our callers. I would, I would like to ask that you don't let this die down. Let's come up with something that we can do. There's several things we talked about. Please talk to your legislators. Come up with a plan. And as always, thank you. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and funding is provided in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and support from listeners like you. If you'd like to hear this show again or any past episodes, go to your podcast app that you love and search Southern Remedy Relatively Speaking. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio and engineered by my producer, Jay White. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.